You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome in to your Monday edition of the podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen to the day. Plenty to get to ahead on this President's Day edition. We're going to talk a little BYU basketball. Rough weekend for BYU men's hoops coming up short in Moraga, but a record weekend for BYU women's basketball. We'll recap that. We'll also get to another position group preview. We'll talk about BYU's offensive line as we are a week away from spring ball getting underway. And of course, we will catch you guys up on everything else that happened over the weekend. A tough weekend, similar to the basketball program for men's volleyball. We'll touch on all of that ahead on today's show. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our title sponsor that's Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Alright, without further ado though, let's get rolling here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 21st. 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. My name is Jake Hatch. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And more importantly, I am your daily host here on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU right here on Locked On Cougars. Your resident BYU insider bringing you all of the stuff you guys needed about the Cougars on a daily basis. A big thank you once again for your support of this venture as always. Hope your guys' holiday weekend has been absolutely marvelous no matter what you guys have been doing. Very snowy here along the Wasatch Front. A lot of snow coming in overnight and continuing on throughout today. But nonetheless, thank you once again for joining us. Let's start today's show and talk a little BYU basketball. On the men's side of things, well, what I anticipated happening happened and the Cougars fell 69 to 64 at St. Mary's. This was a game though, I got to give BYU some credit. They got down by as many as 16 in the second half, carved away and just continued to battle and battle and battle and got it within three but then could not get any closer as they tried to pick up a win that I feel like probably would have secured their place in March Madness. Now, as it stands, based on the most metrics I am seeing, I think it was basketball matrix, metric, whatever they call that that analyzes all the different brackets out out there gives BYU a 6% chance of making the big dance in March. That's disappointing, especially considering where this team was, but I continue to look at this team and just see, okay, injuries, a big part of this. Not having a solid secondary offensive option outside of Alex Barcelo. That's been a season-long issue. Turnover woes, once again, reared their ugly heads. 17 of them against the Gales. And seemingly every single one of those turnovers that were in a critical spot, St. Mary's capitalized on. Good programs make you pay when you make a mistake, and that's what St. Mary's is right now. BYU, I I hate to say it, the men's side of things, it's not a good team right now. They have bits and pieces of stuff you see, okay, that's good, that's good. You, you, You see different things. Alex Marcel, absolutely stellar, but the fact that now BYU is going to be relying on hopefully sliding in on the bubble, maybe playing the first four game there in Dayton, Ohio, if they do make it, Considering where this team was once upon a time, they were the number 12 ranked team. Y'all can remember it way back in December. Or was it November? No, it was, it was December. BYU was ranked as high as number 12 in the country. And now they are sitting among the first four out, according to Joe Lunardi. And you're looking at all these other 
projections that have BYU at the very best in most cases I've seen, whether they're a very low 10 or 11 seed and more than likely playing in a play-in game. It's just not ideal. It is not ideal if you're a BYU basketball, men's basketball fan right now. Now, on the women's side of things, though, things couldn't be better. And I got to give credit to all y'all. 6,900 and some odd fans turned out at the Marriott Center on Saturday afternoon to watch BYU absolutely obliterate uh, Gonzaga. Okay, 6,289 fans. The most ever to watch a women's basketball game at the Marriott Center in its history were there on Saturday afternoon. As I mentioned, I was planning on going, had a... We'll call it a snafu pop-up, and I was unable to go, so I watched it on TV, but I saw some pictures and retweeted some stuff of the pictures of the crowd. You folk that made that trek to the Marriott Center, you guys are the best. BYU improved to 23-2. and They are 13-1 and on the season. They ran away from the Bulldogs, who are 21-6. and This is a Bulldogs team, which was very, very good. BYU just absolutely hammered them in that win, 63-39. to This women's basketball program kind of the antithesis of what the men's basketball program has been. They are getting stronger as the season goes along, whereas the men seem to be fading a bit down the stretch here. The women's team, they're just getting started. Uh, The net rating has the women's team ranked number nine in all of the country. The national polls don't reflect that. They only moved up one spot this week. They are now the number 19 team that came out earlier this morning, Monday morning. But it's kind of crazy to see the kind of the disparity between these two programs. Whereas the men's team got off to a very hot star and has been relying on that most of the season despite all their other woes. The women's team started the season hot, stayed hot through the middle part of the season, and now as the season draws close close to a close, they are getting better and better, it seems like, with every performance. And that senior day celebration was absolutely awesome. So tip of my cap to all you BYU fans who made the trek. I know I saw guys like Big Uncle Pooh were out there, Adrian. Uh, I saw that Jeff Hansen went down to the game, Casey Finlinson. I know most of you guys listen to this podcast. I got a tip of the cap to all 6,289 of you who made the trip to watch that women's basketball team. I've been saying it all season long. If you have not jumped on the bandwagon of that team, well, you still got time. Jump on now and enjoy the ride. This is a team I think that could do some damage in March Madness. Obviously, the draw, where they land, where they're playing, who they're playing, all of that will come into play. But crazily enough, while it seems like we're throwing dirt on the grave of the men's basketball program with regards to their March Madness chances, the women's team, they're just sitting pretty. They're like, all right, where are we going to be seated? All right, where are we traveling to? They're getting ready for what could be a really, really fun March for them. And I said, I, I don't want to throw dirt on the men's grave because they're probably going to make the NIT field. They'd probably actually be one of the top seeds in the National Invitational Tournament, but considering where this team was at earlier this season, making the NIT would just be a gut punch, I feel like, for most of you out there. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Feel free to weigh in with your thoughts. Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can tweet at me or DM me. My DMs are open. Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter, or feel free to email us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Let me know what you think, but it really seems like the women's team, whereas the men's team is faded hard, the women's team, they're just getting ramped up. And it could be a fun, fun march if you want to support this women's basketball team. And I would encourage you, if you have not jumped on that bandwagon once again, get on now. I'm, I am fully on this bandwagon. It is a really, really fun team. Jeff Judkins has done a great job with that squad, and 
there's some good things coming, it feels like. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we will flip over to football, get to another position group preview. We're going to talk about BYU's offensive line today. And I am very interested in this group because this could actually be the strongest group on BYU's entire team. And I mean that sincerely. I'll explain why in just a second here. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, my friends, but basketball is in full steam ahead mode for both pro and college troops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. In addition, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. And it's not just basketball. They got you covered on hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Maybe they can give you some odds on the chances the MLB season starts on time. Who knows? You can get to BetOnline.net right now. Go to their website or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and action available to you at BetOnline.net. Excuse me once again. It's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline where the game starts. Thanks once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Let's continue to get you ready for BYU Spring Ball. It starts a week from today. Crazily enough, yes, we have Spring Ball coming in February. I know it's the final day of February, but nonetheless, it's coming in February. It'll last throughout the month of March. I believe the final day is scheduled for the March 27th. So essentially a month-long camp. 15 practices will be interspersed throughout that. And I do not know. I know the question is going to be, Jake, is there a spring game? Do you know when that's going to be? I have heard no details on that. I would assume that BYU will do everything within their power to have some sort of an open scrimmage practice, be what it is, to allow fans to get out and watch the Cougars. I just don't know when or if that ultimately is going to happen. But uh, just my personal opinion interjecting here, I think they will do everything within their power to have that happen. Now, let's talk about another position group to get you ready for this. Kind of uh, the three questions facing each one of these position groups. And today we're talking about the offensive line unit. And this is a big unit, obviously. Five different positions. Almost half of the offense resides in the offensive line group. And the big questions I have for this group are, number one, how good can this unit truly become? And will we see a version of that in spring at any point? And what I mean by that is BYU recruited, obviously, at a very high level along this offensive line. They brought in a five-star transfer in Kingsley Suamataia from Orem High School, formerly of the University of Oregon. He figures to enter the mix right away and battle for playing time at one of the tackle spots. He also brought in a pretty highly thought-of prospect from junior from the junior college ranks, a former BYU signee in Lisala Tai, a junior college All-American, a guy that BYU is very excited to have. Where does he factor into this? He's six foot eight. He figures to fig, fit into the tackle discussion, but could he slot inside? I think the biggest thing is you look at this offensive line right now with Bray, uh, not Braden Freeland, Blake Freeland, excuse me, at left tackle, Clark Barrington, who has been just absolutely stellar at left guard for the now will be his fourth season in a row for the Cougars. He's an NFL prospect in his own right. Connor Pay steps in at center. You figure that's probably the one position that has the biggest question mark with regards to can somebody unseat a guy like Connor Pay, even though I think he's pretty entrenched there. Right guard figures to be Joe Tukuafu's spot, barring somebody like Campbell Barrington or a guy like Lee Salatai moving in and beating him out for the spot. And then at right tackle, does Kingsley Suamataia factor into battle Harris Lachance at right tackle, or do they see him being a left tackle tackle where he pushes Blake Freeland. 
The thing about this is this offensive line, folks, could truly go, I think, 10 deep this season and have no fall off. And I'm not saying that to blow smoke up anybody's skirt to make somebody feel like they're really good. This offensive line for BYU has a chance to be absolutely elite. Daryl Funk has got to be just thanking his lucky stars that he landed this type of an offensive line unit. This is the type of an offensive line that makes their coach look absolutely brilliant and potentially gets him a bigger job. That's the type of offensive line BYU is dealing with right now. I am absolutely in love with this group. If they really achieve what I envisioned they could achieve, this offensive line could once again battle for that Joe Moore award, which goes to the best offensive line in the country. They could be as good as some of the elite units around the country, and I'm talking the biggest of the big, Alabama, Georgia. Think of the great teams right now who have great offensive lines. I'm telling you, BYU has got a opportunity here to have that unit look like that. I also expect, the question number two here is how much will the work of this offensive line really get to work together in spring ball? Because you have proven options in Blake Freeland and Clark Barrington at left guard and left tackle. How much really do they need to show in spring ball? I don't think they need to show that much. I think it's center Connor Page just needs to go in there and show that, yeah, I'm the dude. Get out of my way. Let me do my work. Right guard's interesting because Joe Tukuafu has held that spot down for the better part of two years, but there's, like I said, a lot of talent. Campbell Barrington is a freshman All-American, and I didn't even mention him as being in the running to play at either tackle spot. I figure that BYU is probably going to slot him inside and let him battle at right guard with Joe Tukuafu and see if he can unseat him. That's how good this unit is. You have a freshman All-American who looks like he's probably going to be a reserve. It's crazy to think of the depth and talent of this unit. The right tackle spot will be interesting because Kingsley Suamataia come in and absolutely blow the doors off everybody and just look like the next All-American offensive lineman. Does he come in and try and channel his best John Tate or whoever great BYU offensive lineman insert name here and just absolutely rock it. That'd be fantastic if he did, but I also don't think you necessarily count on that because he only saw sparse playing time at Oregon. He's still getting adjusted to the playbook with BYU and getting up to speed. I think you'll see him make more of a push come fall camp, but I could be wrong about that. He is a, a supremely talented offensive lineman. I watched him enough at Orem, and I'm like, holy smokes, this dude is absolutely legit. And if he lives up to his potential, folks, you're looking at a surefire NFL guy, he, but he's got to live up to that potential. That's the biggest thing. So question number three, will there be an offensive lineman that has been biding his time, whether it's a guy like Tyson Lewis coming off an ACL, a Seth Willis who saw time as a reserve last year, insert a bevy of other names here for BYU. Will there be an offensive lineman who we have not talked about on today's show that shows up in spring camp and all of a sudden is like, hey, I'm in the mix here to maybe start or at least be part of that too deep for the offensive line. I think this group, and I envision it, left tackle, you're probably going to have Blake Freeland as your number one. I'd imagine that Braden Kime and or Kingsley Suamataia are your backups battling there. At right tackle, I think Harris Lachance gets the nod going into camp, and then Kingsley Suamataia and Braden Kime battle there. Right guard, Joe Tukuafu, Campbell Barrington, Lee Salatai. Center, Connor Payne, Joe Tukuafu. And then left guard, Clark Barrington, Lee Salatai, Campbell Barrington. I'm telling you, there's like 10 to 12 guys here who have potential starting, what do you call it, talent, potential, whatever you want to call it. 
that could challenge for time. Will somebody else from this group that maybe could go as, as deep as 20 guys on the roster at offensive line, could one of those guys that we haven't mentioned today all of a sudden show up and they've transformed their body, they've put things together with the playbook, they understand the scheme, the wide zone concepts, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, that's a dude. I wonder. It'll, it'll be interesting, but I think a guy to keep an eye on in that respect is Seth Willis. I heard good things about him. He's not necessarily the biggest name prospect who has come to BYU in recent years, but he has made an impression in his short time at BYU. Another one is Dylan Rollins, the former high school player of the year up in Montana. Highly thought of kid that picked BYU. Well, he redshirted this past season. Does he make a move in spring ball? be very interesting to see what ultimately transpires with this unit. But the biggest thing about spring ball for this offensive line is I want to see how much work they actually get together because a lot of these guys, they don't necessarily need that work, if that makes sense, because they're proven. Blake Freeland and Clark Barrington screen to me guys are going to be playing in the NFL one day. I think Connor Pay has got that opportunity. Joe Tukuafu is a question mark to me just simply due to his age. He'll be 26. He's been on this podcast talking about it. He'll be 26 come next draft cycle when he will be out of eligibility. But Harris Lachance, he's got a fringe NFL opportunity, I feel like. Kingsley Sulmatii, as I mentioned, I think he's a surefire NFL guy if he lives up to his potential. Campbell Barrington, is your, if you're a freshman All-American, a lot of people think that you've got the future to play at the pro level. So a whole lot of talent, a whole lot of potential for this group. Could they be one of the best offensive lines that BYU has ever had? And that's saying something because there's been some very elite offensive line units over the decades for BYU. But this group, folks, I am absolutely ecstatic to watch what they can do because I truly believe they have that potential to be one of the all-time units and be the best, most deep, most talented unit on BYU's entire squad in 2022. I know that might sound absolutely nuts, but it's absolutely true. I'm serious about this. This offensive line, Jeff Grimes talked about it all the time. He wanted his offensive line to be the quote-unquote tip of the spear. This unit is better than any offensive line unit in just sheer numbers, talent, potential than anything that BYU's had probably in the past, mm, I'd say, 15 years at minimum, maybe 20. Maybe it goes back to all the way to 1996, some of those offensive lines in the early 90s. Think of Elvin Pilgrim, Eli Herring. John Tate, you think of some of those great offensive lines. This group, I, I, I'm not trying to over, oversell them, but they are absolutely elite, and I am excited to see them get their chance to show what they can do because I truly believe they could be that true tip of the spear and lead BYU in 2022 and beyond. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll round out this Monday edition of the show with a recap of everything else that transpired over the weekend and other BYU sports. Get ready for that on tomorrow's show. We'll continue on with our position group previews. Uh, we're going to talk I'm about tight ends. I'm very excited to talk about that group despite Isaac Isaac Rex's injury and we're also going to talk about BYU's uh, defensive end unit. I've got some questions about this group. We've talked about defensive tackles already but what can the edge guys do? We'll talk about all of that on tomorrow's podcast. Before we get to our weekend recap though, let's take a minute and talk about our friends over at Built Bar. We've been talking a lot of BYU football. Well, a way to support BYU football literally directly is to buy Built Bars. Built Bar, the Built Branded companies has signed 
signed a name, image, and likeness agreement with all BYU football players, guaranteeing them cash money for being a part of their outreach program. It involves uh, charity work. It involves them uh, advertising on their social media for for Built Bar. It's a really, really cool thing. And the way you can support these BYU athletes is by supporting the Built branded companies, and in particular, Built Bar. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had. I, I mean that sincerely. I absolutely love them. I have never craved a protein bar until I had a Built Bar. But more importantly, maybe if the bars aren't your speed, you can give the Built Puffs a try. If you've not tried this, it's absolutely incredible. What it is, is they're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. You heard that right. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered, yes, in 100% real chocolate, and they still pack in protein. It's like 17 grams of protein, even to this marshmallow flavor. It's absolutely insane. They've got churro flavor, coconut marshmallow, my personal favorite, banana cream pie, absolutely delicious. Give them a shot. You can go to built.com right now. Place your order there. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Heard that right. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Get, enjoy the best tasting protein bars and support BYU football by supporting Built Bar. Before we go on this Monday edition of the show, let's recap the weekend that was in BYU sports. As of recording, BYU baseball is still in their matchup with Ohio State. So I'll recap the baseball weekend in on tomorrow's show. So we'll recap the opening four games down there in Port Charlotte, Florida for the Cougars. If you did not uh, keep apprised of how things were going over the weekend for them down there in the Sunshine State. But I, I don't want to give you an incomplete look at things. We'll do that tomorrow. But let's start off with uh, BYU and the softball program actually had a very good weekend. They were at the Stanford Invitational. They went 4-0 and over the weekend, beating host Stanford. They also finished it off with a 5-2 to win over Seattle on Saturday morning at the Stanford Invitational. They have now won eight consecutive wins. That's their win streak right now. I actually saw a ranking earlier today, the BYU softball already inside the top 25 in one metric at number 24. Really, really good to see, and obviously uh, BYU off to a really good start. They are now headed to Palm Springs, California. California for the third tournament of the season. BYU softball spends about the first two and a half months of their season on the road, folks. They're going to be at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. That's this coming weekend. They'll play four games facing Bethune-Cookman, Tennessee, California Baptist, and Long Beach State. The Volunteers figure to be the strongest of the bunch there, but don't count out the dirtbags. I think that's what they call the softball program in addition to the baseball program there at LBSU, but a good weekend for BYU softball. Uh, Let's continue on with men's and women's track and field. Congratulations to them. They once again won the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation titles on both the men's and women's side of things. Very, very cool to see. Uh, The men's team won its third consecutive MPSF Indoor Championship with a final point total of 190 as the meet uh, finished up on Saturday. The women's team uh, finished uh, in first place once again, so very, very good to see. They are now uh, home for their final indoor meet of the season, the BYU Cougar Indoor Invitational Number 2, which is scheduled for this coming weekend before taking a week off prior to the NCAA Indoor National Championships. Really, really cool to see. Uh, oh, on the women's side of things, they totaled 218 points in, as a team. That's over 100 more than the second place finisher in Long Beach State. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, it won its uh, first women's MPSF championship in school history. Somehow I missed that. I thought they'd actually won it before then, but apparently they did not. So I learned something on today's show. All right, other things to recap for you guys. Uh, women's gymnastics had, had another good weekend. They posted a season high scores. They beat Southern Utah 197 points. 225 to 197 flat at their meet on Friday. The 
12th ranked Cougars had four gymnasts uh, named to MRGC honors for the week. And we yet again, Sadie Minor Van Tassel scored another career high of 39.525. She completed the all around against the Thunderbirds. Yeah, it's the sixth week in a row she has won Gymnast of the Week award. At this point, you might as well hand her Gymnast of the Year and just call it good because she just continues to rack them up. Along with Minor Van Tassel, fellow senior Brittany Vikowskis, I hope I pronounced that correctly, ended the night on the floor with a career high 9.975. She won Floor Specialist of the Year. Junior Elise Rollins won her third MRGC Beam Specialist of the Week after her season high score of 9.950 on the balance beam. And then freshman redshirt Sydney Benson scored a 9.9 on the vault to earn the shared vault specialist of the week honors with Boise State freshman Alyssa Voulage. So there you go. A very, very successful weekend for women's gymnastics. Guard Young, he's building something special, folks. This is a team that could be inside the top 10 come very long. And BYU, they just continue to just to rack up all these awards. I'm scrolling through this right now. They have won awards in every single week of the season so far. Uh, and as I mentioned, Sadie Minor Van Tassel, outside of week one, she's been gymnast of the week the entire season. It's absolutely spectacular what she is doing for the women's gymnastics program and very, very cool to see. Uh, final thing uh, before we go on today's show is it was a tough weekend for BYU men's volleyball. They lost both matches at UC Santa Barbara getting swept Friday before losing 3-1 on Saturday. As our good friend Jerem uh, Jordan pointed out, he's the play-by-play voice for men's volleyball. He said that this team is likely going to be outside the top 15 rankings for the first time since 1991, sitting at 5-7 and seven on the season. They've got a huge weekend upcoming. They're going to be at home as they host Grand Canyon on Friday and Saturday. Hopefully they can bounce back and get back to 500 with two wins over the Antelopes. But the Antelopes are an up-and-coming volleyball power. And it's crazy to talk about men's volleyball at 5-7 and seven on the season. This is a team that's got a history of success. Their losing stretch is three losing streak, excuse me, is now five straight matches. It's disappointing. There's no doubt about that. But they'll have to try and bounce back this coming Friday and Saturday against the Antelopes from Grand Canyon. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Want to make sure you guys now go make your second listen blocked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every single day with insight and analysis on college football's prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us here on this President's Day edition of the show. Another new edition will come out overnight for your Tuesday, and we'll have a full week ahead right here on Locked On Cougars. Until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 21st, 2022.